Welcome to the Self-Care Society podcast with your hosts, Celia Williamson, Ashley Kucher, Louis Guardiola, and Carrie Shaw, a podcast devoted to those whose job it is to help others get or remain mentally, physically, and emotionally healthy, but who also need to take care of themselves. How we're going to do this? By first showing you the filtered, pretty version of success, and then the real struggles, real work, and raw grit it took to get there, how they took care of themselves and also achieved their goals while doing it. Together, we will work with you to improve and maintain your internal health and growth while helping you achieve your external goals and your next professional achievement in life. And we're excited to show you how to follow your own individual and unique path and achieve the dreams you have while taking good care of yourself. So let's get started. And welcome to the Self-Care Podcast. I'm Isabel Matosian, and this week we are going to discuss grief and loss. This might have to be done in a few different episodes because there's so much to talk about. We'll cover what grief is, how children experience it, and how to explain it to children, how it can affect families and personal processing. Today, we'll start with experiencing grief as a child and how adults can help children understand and process their grief. Let's start by talking about the different types of grief. Oftentimes we consider it to be death exclusively, but that's not necessarily the case. Loss of a relationship or an item can be devastating. A child whose parent chooses to leave them or an individual who is adopted and suffers the trauma and loss of their birth parents, regardless of the circumstance, Maybe it's losing a necklace or keepsake that belonged to someone you loved. There is such a huge interpretation for grief itself, and limiting it to just the grief of death limits the scope of our own empathy and understanding of others, as well as our empathy that we turn towards ourselves. It can diminish the loss that someone else is experiencing or that we are experiencing. Allow yourself and others to process their grief without the weight of your own judgment. The focus of these upcoming episodes, while recognizing the validity of other forms of grief, is going to be the grief that death brings. In the future, we might have an opportunity to cover the other forms of grief, um, but for the series, let's just stick with this one because there's so much to talk about. This episode, we'll talk about how children experience the death of a loved one. Before we really dive in, why talk about this here in a self-care project? Well, why do we cover vicarious trauma? Why do we learn coping skills? Why do we talk about healthy relationships? Because all of those things can help improve our ability to protect ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Many of our listeners have children or grandchildren or work with youth. When they lose someone they love, you do too. Learning how to help them through their grief before someone passes is incredibly useful in the long run because you will not be learning how to help them while grieving yourself. It is an inevitable fact of life that we live and we lose. It's tragic and sad and inspires poems and books, philosophy, religion. Death is a powerful force that is often frightening and feels so far beyond our control that all we can do is really marvel about it. But with how mysterious and frightening death can be, it is also something that happens every single day. 
So in spite of the poems and philosophy and the bigness of it all, it's also a pretty mundane thing when you think about it. So let's not skirt around it and pretend we will never lose someone we love. Let's address it and plan for it as well as we can and do everything we can to prepare ourselves because it will be devastating. The information in this episode is informed largely by the Irish Childhood Bereavement Network, and they have a plethora of resources on their website, including articles, research, and videos. It's a great tool if you're looking to do some more independent research. The Bereavement Network explains the understanding that children have of death and how to support children in different stages of their development. So I'll recap that for you all here because I think it's a really helpful tool to know what most children are grasping at that age. Children's understanding of death increases as they grow. For babies or toddlers between zero to two years of age, they do not understand death, but may react to the absence of a person. They know when things change and may react with outbursts, acting withdrawn, or even being particularly clingy. You can support this age range by maintaining their routine and making them feel secure. A child from two to five years old will still not understand death or realize that it is permanent and happens to everyone. They need to know that the deceased person is not coming back and is not simply asleep. They may worry that it was their fault or will repeat their questions over and over. For children from two to five years of age, you can support them by encouraging them to ask questions and answering them openly and in simple terms. Next up is five to eight years of age. At that point, they start to understand that death is final and all people will die. They may worry that other people close to them will also die. So talk about those fears with them. Don't promise that no one will die, but make them feel safe by ensuring them that they will always be looked after. They may also direct questions about what happened to the body while they try to understand. They may also blame themselves for the death and will fill in the gaps of what they've been told with their own imagination. Support them by encouraging them to talk about it and express their feelings, no matter what they are. For 8 to 12-year-olds, they understand that death is irreversible, universal, and has a cause. Their grief may be expressed through physical aches and pains and challenging behavior. It's important not to place unnecessary responsibility on these children, especially the eldest children who feel responsible for younger siblings or for boys who lose a father and take on the role of man of the house. For children who are 8 to 12 years old, support them by reassuring them about changes in their lifestyle, including household income or changes to the home. Adolescence is a particularly difficult time because teenagers struggle with issues of identity and independence as they navigate childhood to adulthood. They need clear and accurate information at the time of the death. Involve them in whatever rituals take place and make sure to treat them appropriately for their age. They may want to participate in funeral arrangements or mark the death in their own way. This group fully understands the concept of death. They know that it is final and inevitable, but confusion can arise as they struggle with their emotions, thoughts, and mood changes while trying to remain similar to their peers. 
conversations about death will not be a one-time thing with any child. They will likely continue their grieving as they grow and mature and understand more. They may grieve something that has happened years prior because their understanding of what death means is improving with time. It will take ongoing conversations and patience as they navigate their own growth and experiences. When notifying a child about a death or serious illness, it is best for the notification to be given by a family member or someone in the child's inner circle. Try to pick a time when the child is not tired and you are not feeling rushed. You can't always control the situation, but where possible, try to account for the fact that the information you are giving will be a lot to absorb. Try to find a safe and comfortable place or somewhere more private if in a public space. And remember to be prepared because your emotions will also be challenged. Remember that in those times, it's okay for children to see that you are upset as well. In the weeks or months after a death, try to maintain a routine or predictability in day-to-day life. And when things have to change, include them as much as possible and be sure to explain and reassure them as things change. In the weeks or months following the death, understand that they may express their fear or anger non-verbally. As we said previously, you can also help them to participate in goodbye rituals, such as funerals, or you can expect both physical and emotional reactions. Maybe anxiety, poor sleep, or unexplained aches and pains, to name a few. In the early days, it is important to acknowledge their loss and listen to their thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Be receptive to their questions and do your best to give them age-appropriate information to help them understand. Reassure them that even though you are also upset, you will take care of them. And ask them to tell you what they understand. It may be more than you expect. Another important thing is to remember that the grieving won't stop after a year or two. It's a lifelong experience. Help them celebrate their lost loved one as well as you are able. If it was a parent that they lost, celebrate Father's Day or Mother's Day. Remember the birthday of the person who was lost or visit the gravesite for holidays. Tell stories if you have them so their memory isn't completely lost to time. I remember when I was about eight years old, my grandpa passed away. He had been living with us at the time because he had terminal cancer and needed the additional support that my parents could give him. He was silly and very smart. He liked going to the Armenian church in Southfield and listening to the music on Sundays or talking philosophy with other Armenian grandpas. I don't remember much about him now, but most of it was stories shared by my parents. What I do remember vividly was the night before he died and my mom sitting us all down the morning after to explain. The night before, I was the one to help my mom get Grandpa ready for bed. He had on his blue bathrobe, and we helped him clean up in the bathroom before tucking him in. My mom was a nurse, and I loved helping her take care of my grandparents and learning from her. I said goodnight and went to bed. The next morning, my mom didn't wake us up for school because we weren't going to school. I was the second youngest of six siblings, so my mom had the task of explaining that Grandpa had died in his sleep 
and would not be waking up again to six kids, all in different stages of understanding. My oldest sisters started crying a lot, and my little sister did too. She likely didn't understand, but was stressed by the emotion in the room. I didn't cry, though. I didn't really react a lot. I remember walking downstairs to my bedroom, and I grabbed a little golden angel figurine from my room. I never remembered where it came from or how it became mine, but I still have it now. When I was eight, I went into my grandpa's room and put the angel by his head because my logic at the time and my understanding was that his soul needed a place to go. So I figured it could live in the angel. Even if I couldn't talk to him anymore, I didn't want his soul to get lost. It didn't make much sense, but it was the most I could do with the logic I had at the time. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I really mourned his loss and understood that my dad had lost his dad, or that my friends still had their grandpas, but I didn't have any. The understanding that he was gone forever was delayed, as were the tears. But even now, I experience the death and grief as time goes by. When I graduated from my undergrad or MSW program, I grieved those who wouldn't be there with me. When I went to Armenia for the first time, I knew my grandpa would be proud of me and would want to be there too. When I go to the Armenian Orthodox Church, I think about how much he enjoyed the music. Unfortunately, since then, I have experienced grief time and time again. Losing friends to suicide or surgeries gone wrong losing family to age, illness, or tragic accidents. But this is the story I remember the most, from when I was eight years old. I don't remember how I heard about all the other deaths or what I did in the moments after, but I remember losing my grandpa and not being sad until I understood the loss better. My feelings changed and grew with time as I grew up. As you help children through their grief, remember not to neglect or ignore your own grieving. Remember that being strong for someone else sometimes means being vulnerable in front of them. Maintaining routines is just as much for the child as it may be for you. We'll talk more about grieving as an adult in an upcoming episode, so we have time to talk about it a bit more. If you are someone who has found or will find themselves in a position of being the adult who explains death to a child, then I'm so sorry you have to go through that. And I encourage you to give your own grief some space in your heart and in your life for you to process it. And I'd also say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to explain it to them and for helping that child through such a challenging time. And that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Self-Care Society podcast. And again, thank you for taking this time for yourself. That concludes this week's episode. And remember, it's not selfish, it's self-care. <laughs>